your money today, Carolyn Wright finds out why ESG credentials are being essential for the property sector here. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. The ESG sector is a hot topic for many investors at the moment. So today I'm going to start a new series of discussions looking specifically at ESG and what's happening in the property sector around it. I'm joined now by Andrew Lau, who is Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers, to dive into it. Thank you for joining me today, Andrew. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me today. Hopefully you're going to teach me a little bit about green buildings. What are they and what are the kind of standards that developers need to adhere to to gain credentials i think the terms for green building has been around for a little bit over two decades ever since i started my career so literally green building means a building actually making a not so negative or even have a positive impact to the environment very energy efficient using low emission and carbon positive material potentially renewable material and also having a lot of renewable energy renewable resources having a very good indoor air quality water quality etc this green building standard has many different kinds from all over the world. The most famous one is from the international standard called LEED, started from US but has been implemented around the world. And Hong Kong, we have a very specific one called Beam Plus. Also, it's very successful. And we are having a lot of attention with green building standard nowadays. So let's get on to how well developers are doing at going towards gaining these credentials. How is it going in Hong Kong? What are you seeing in terms of new building development? I think for all new buildings, they are quite interested in the green building certification, like to begin with. But more importantly, I think the developers are aware uh, if the building is not nice enough, it's not green enough, there will be a lot of challenge for them to making a profit out of it from an operation or even like a future selling perspective. It's mainly because the driver is from the audience, from all over the world, like all the occupiers, they're all demanding, they're having a ESG target themselves to achieve carbon zero by sooner rather than later. And in order to achieve that, a green building is absolutely essential to them. So the landlord, they realize this challenge. So that's why they have started the journey very quickly. However, I see there's different challenges when they get on this journey. First of all, of course, the incentive for doing so has been questioned from a lot of angle. Uh, more importantly, is uh, we talk about what is the return investment if we want to build a very green building. I think it's a generally angle that we need to look at it differently. So uh, I make an example it's similar to, oh, if we eat very healthy and do exercise, how much profit are we going to gain? So it's a question that being asked wrongly. It's the other way around. What if I didn't do it? So for green building, it's actually what happens if you don't do it? And we are seeing a trend that if you don't do it, you will be left out in the market entirely from maybe a few years down the road. So if the landlord and developers, they are not doing the green building, like uh, design and implementation, they will be left out in the market very soon. So what happens with older buildings? Because obviously a new building it is quite easy, I guess, in relative terms to, to build that to these standards and to make it green and lovely. But if you've got an older building, is there any way you can start to work to build that up to the uh, the new standards? Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, I think for new building, there's still some challenge, but obviously I think you're right. Like uh, there's at least a decision to make is more feasibility from the design stage all the way to implementation. So it's a little bit like uh, easier. For existing building, there is a certain way to do it as well. But I think the most important is we figure out how to repurpose the building in the first place. There's a lot 
lots of business activity around redevelopment. We are not so keen to do that because it generates a lot of waste, introduces a lot of carbon, etc., and impact to the society community. So instead of doing so, why don't we figure out how is the smart way to retrofit the building in a way that is making more green, first of all, and secondly, more ESG. Ready in terms of health and well-being, and also community integration and nature integration. So those are the concepts we need to introduce into the building. There's a lots of methods for doing so. Actually, the technology is more advanced than we've seen in the general market. A lot of the technologies nowadays able to improve the building dramatically without spending a lot of capas or cash. So for the building owner, they just need to say, "Oh, we want to do it." And find the right partner on the boat so that we can go on the journey together is actually relatively easy. Well, that's quite interesting that that it is an easy journey in relative terms. So let let's go back to your point about the audience and the and the occupiers of those buildings. What sort of things are they really demanding from their their office, their their building space nowadays? There is a lot of details in the ESG focus, but make it general. I think first of all, it's a very transparent operation and data governance. So this is one important element that we see is already a challenge in the market. So、uh, the example is for those corporate, they need to report their carbon emission data on an annual basis. But in order to do so, it required the landlord to support because there's a lot of data is from the landlord side. However, there is never enough data available. First and secondly, the landlord may not have the resources to attain those data to share. So that's one important element. And secondly, sometimes the occupier they need to do certain technology implementation or retrofit themselves in order to reduce their carbon emission. Landlord need to support that. And very important waste management. So it's a one big challenge in different cities in Asia, Hong Kong, for example. We don't have a lot of recycling facilities immediately available in different location. So for the landlord, they need to have a very solid and systematic solid waste management to help the tenants to handle their own solid waste. So this is very very important for the tenant. At the same time, there's a lot of amenity within the building. Let's say the garden, the greenery, or even some wellness area. Those are the things that the tenants are looking for. If they don't have those, it's very difficult for a tenant to make a decision to rent the building. So people don't like it now if they if they can't see those kind of options being offered. It's not like they don't they don't like it. They don't even choose it because there's so much. Nicer building out there that have all this included. So if you don't have that, basically they just say, "Oh, oh, this is off of the table." This is sort of turning it around. When we were thinking earlier, maybe about people paying a premium for a, a green building. Actually, it sounds more like that there is more of a, a reduction if you don't bother to to kind of upgrade yourself towards these standards. Yeah, I would say it's not just a reduction. It's basically out of the business entirely. So people looking for those amenity is like a fundamental. So similar to what, when we go into a restaurant, we're expecting like a glass of water, cutlery, everything is ready on the table. If we don't offer that, you can't just expect themselves to accept your offer. So, what do you think will be the next big thing for for green buildings? You know, we've talked a lot about what's already demanded. What do you think people will want next, and what should developers be thinking of having ready to go for people? 
first of all, we have to change the concept entirely from just green to ESG ready. It's a social element and the governance element always being left out. So when we talk about the green leasing, for example, it's actually not just a green leasing, but it's a governance exercise for the landlord to have a commitment with the tenant on data governance, go on carbon reduction, health and well-being, technology, child, etc. And the second of all is the social aspect, the health and well-being pieces, how we can connect with the community so that they can maybe find more like meaningful talent and employee uh, easier, or even making a positive impact to this community around uh, so that the people in this building generally happier. Those are the like details elements that is needed. At the same time, because of technology booming, this is the next challenge. How to choose the right technologies at this time to make sure that this is the best for the building. I would not say one technology can be applied for all buildings because every building is so unique. Like even though they are built at the same time, same location, they can be completely different because of the operation parameters, people, so forth and so on, right? So technology implementation, like how to choose the right one at this time and get on the journey so that there's a flexibility going forward is ultimately important nowadays. I think we've only barely scratched the surface here in learning about green buildings. So Andrew, I'm going to ask you back on the show in about a month's time and let's talk a little bit more about what's happening with ESG and the development of green buildings. Thank you for joining me today. Andrew Lau, Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers.